welcome to the Bogosity Podcast for the week of September 16th, 2018. The podcast that read about it free in a 50 cent illustrated guide. This is your host, Shane Killian. Let's oxy-nullify the news of the bogus. And the big news this week is the passage of Article 13 in the EU, which is possibly the most onerous censorship legislation ever passed in the name of protecting copyrights. The article, which passed 438 to 226, as usual with few if any of the MEPs actually reading the 320-page document, removes Safe Harbor, the principle that websites and other Internet service providers are not responsible for the actions of their users. It also forces websites to install content filters similar to YouTube's Content ID, except this is also for text, audio, images, computer code, everything. Article 11 also passed, which is that link tax we've been talking about. This is just more legislation from unelected bureaucrats in support of their big corporate cronies at the expense of the people. And if you look at the details of how the voting went, you'll see that it's basically France forcing their way on the rest of Europe because they have so dang many MEPs it's hard for the rest to mount an opposition. But there's no equivalent of the Senate in the EU to correct for that. All amendments that would have made it less terrible and more manageable were rejected. Fair use protections? Rejected. An amendment removing the ability for rights holders to demand that content be deleted? Rejected. Making it so ISPs don't have to install monitoring software? Rejected. Free speech protection so this doesn't become a tool for censorship? Rejected. And one other proposal that was rejected? A punishment for people who fraudulently claim copyright over works that they do not own. So, people, what we've been saying about this, that Article 13 is really about censorship and control and thought policing. People are saying we're crazy conspiracy cranks for saying that. But if we're wrong, then how come all of these amendments were specifically rejected? Amendments that would have done nothing but protect people from those very things. I mean, Article 13 still would have been horrible even with these amendments, but the fact that the MEPs specifically rejected them says quite clearly that they do not care about the little guy, only their cronies. And you can see that in these tweets this Music Ally article links to. The ones in favor of it are big content groups like BPI Music, UK Music, Basket Chair, Crispin Hunt, Music Managers Forum Chair Andy Edwards, and the Music Publishers Association. Critics are people like the EFF, Cory Doctorow, Pirate Party MEP Julia Retta, Creative Commons, and Open Media. Although Google, Facebook, and the others did protest this, the fact is that big companies like YouTube will be fine, although its creators might not be, but it's the small companies that'll lose out. Because now, in addition to all of the regulations that have been heaped on them in the last 10 years, they're now required to purchase, install, and maintain filtering algorithms. And it'll be even harder to create competitors to the major news media and big content providers. Which is exactly what they want. FOIAonline.gov is a clearinghouse for FOIA requests that was created to increase government transparency. And thanks to a design screw-up and a system upgrade, they made hundreds of social security numbers and other personal information public. That's not the kind of transparency we were hoping for! 
Aside from Social Security numbers, other information that was released was dates of birth, immigrant ID numbers, addresses, and contact details. And ironically, many of these cases were from victims of identity fraud seeking more information about their own cases. For some reason I'm completely unable to fathom, this is managed by the EPA. They really seem to be the go-to people for when you want something completely screwed up. According to Nuala O'Connor, former Chief Privacy Officer of the Department of Homeland Security and CEO of the Center for Democracy and Technology, quote, This is a really significant mistake. These sorts of data points allow people to engage in identity theft or some other kind of harassment or other malicious behavior. It puts potentially already vulnerable people at greater risk. It defies logic, and it defies expectation that anyone would think their social security number is being exposed when processing a request like this online. Yet again, we see how amazing it is that after all these years, the fear-mongering continues around the Fukushima nuclear disaster, the very first story we covered on this podcast. The Guardian, the BBC, Newsweek, and many other outlets published that a worker at Fukushima just died from radiation exposure. This is not true. What really happened is that the Japanese government decided the worker's family should be paid compensation, just like what happens all over the world when it's just not worth it to fight it. Not only would it be expensive, it looks bad, but on the other hand, it feels good to give grieving families money, so why not? The man died from cancer that was diagnosed in 2016. There's no evidence whatsoever that it happened because of radiation exposure at Fukushima. The compensation happened simply because he was a career nuclear worker, who happened to work at Fukushima a couple of times. But what he died from was lung cancer. That's not the kind of cancer you're worried about following nuclear exposure. Moreover, five years is just too soon for a diagnosable cancer to show up and the atomic bomb survivors in Hiroshima and Nagasaki, it took decades for cancer to show up, and those were at much higher levels of exposure. The fact is, as we've covered, the cancer rate from Fukushima workers isn't any more than it is in the general population. People get cancer. It's just a thing that happens. The Fukushima workers don't have any more cancer than the general population, and they never will. They didn't get anywhere near enough of a dose for that. Again, as we've covered, the really bad health problems are coming from the fact that the evacuees only had to stay away for about three months until the iodine-131 levels decayed, but to this day, they're still not allowed to go back. They've been living as refugees for seven years. And we've covered the health problems they're facing as a result. In fact, many of them should never have been evacuated in the first place, yet over a thousand deaths were caused solely by the forced evacuation. Again, the number of deaths attributable to the nuclear disaster itself is zero. On a broader note, there are also bigger health effects from the stress, anxiety, and depression that the fear-mongering about this disaster has caused in the Japanese population. Government doesn't protect us. It creates panic, and the news media gleefully goes along with it. And panic results in very bad health problems. And now it's time to recastigate this week's Biggest Bogani Emitter. 
And at this point, my attitude is, if they don't want us doing cops behaving badly stories, they shouldn't keep behaving like rat bastards. Okay, so you know how you can get airsoft guns that look just like actual firearms, except for that red or orange bit at the end? You know, the bit that's there so cops will know it's a toy and not shoot anyone that has them? Except they do. In fact, Baltimore police have fatally shot 86 people in 2015 and 2016 who were carrying toy guns. It happens all the time, despite all the laws requiring those stupid orange bits. But that's not what this story is about. No, no, no. This is worse. Far, far worse. Baltimore police have been carrying these replica toys around so that if they accidentally shoot the wrong person, they can plant it on them. The revelation came from a corruption trial involving Baltimore's Gun Trace Task Force and their commanders, which revealed that some Baltimore cops kept fake guns on their patrol cars to plant on innocent people that they kill. Detective Maurice Ward pleaded guilty to corruption and testified that he and his partners were told by the team sergeant, Wayne Jenkins, to carry the replicas, quote, in case we accidentally hit somebody or got into a shootout so we could plant them. Another detective, Marcus Taylor, was found to be carrying a fake gun almost identical to his service weapon when he was arrested. This was just one of many abuses that have come out in the wake of the investigation. The squad was tasked with getting illegal guns off the streets, but ended up robbing suspects and even innocent people, raiding homes without warrants, and selling confiscated drugs. And that's just the start of their crimes. But as horrible as this is, should it really be surprising? When you declare guns illegal in abeyance of the Second Amendment, is it really that much of a stretch to think you'd get the same corruption and criminal behavior from the police that you get with the war on drugs? So all of that makes the Baltimore police this week's biggest bogan emitter. And now let's arpeggiate this week's and this week it goes jointly to Sony and the EU, not for Article 13 because all of this happened before, but Article 13 is just going to make it worse. We've talked before about ridiculous things like white noise being hit with copyright claims. These filters are just recipes for frustration for everyone except the big media companies. James Rhodes is a pianist who got some of his piano pieces caught up in Facebook's content filter. Sony Music Entertainment claimed the rights to 47 seconds of a piano piece written by Bach, who died over 360 years ago. The piece is in the public domain, and of course, Rhodes owns his own performance of it. I can tell you firsthand how messed up this is. Years ago, I uploaded a video that was graphics only, so for the music background I included one of my own performances of Debussy's Arabesque Number no. 1. And I ended up spending years fending off dozens of copyright claims where this music group and that were claiming 5 seconds of it here, 12 seconds of it there. Eventually the video was taken down permanently, even though there were no copyright violations whatsoever. I'm sure what's going on is that the algorithm is recognizing somewhere that I'm playing it close to the same rhythm that matches one of the zillions of other recordings of the same piece. This is the problem with algorithms. But in the case of Rhodes, this wasn't just a matter of an algorithm messing up. He tweeted, I am beyond furious. At Sony Music Global have rejected my dispute. I recorded a short piece of Bach. 
They claimed they owned 47 seconds of it and removed it. I appealed, and they have rejected my appeal. What. The. Fuck. He also tweeted, I am not going to let this go. Not just for me, but for many, many other musicians you pull this stunt with. If necessary, I'll go legal. Because enough already. You've trampled over musicians for decades. When he finally received a response from Sony, he received... Sony said they won't engage via social media, and Sony Classical won't respond since it's a bigger issue than Classical. His plight came to the attention of, of all people, Stephen Fry, who tweeted, Feel your pain, James. Sony's innocent algorithms trawling for gold, and they'll have us believe Articles 11 and 13 of the EU GDPR are all for the sake of creatives, artists, and content providers. This is why we have to fight it. Ulrich Kaiser, professor of music theory at the Munich University of Music and Theater, found the same thing. According to German law, everything published before January 1, 1963 is public domain. As part of his educational program, he uploaded to YouTube several music recordings, taking care to ensure that they were all recorded before 1963. And guess what? They started getting content ID claims against them. Now, in that case, the claim was withdrawn on appeal but he decided to open a different YouTube account to share copyright-free music. He got content ID notifications for PD music from Beethoven, Bartok, Schubert, Puccini, and Wagner. He had to keep appealing them. In a lot of cases, the technology completely misidentified the piece. For example, Hans Hotter's recording of Schubert's Dare Atlas was recognized as one from a completely different musician. He wrote, I wish I could tell you that the ending to this tale was wholly happy. It is true that many of my contestations of these copyright violations were successful. However, I intended to release all of my videos under a free license so that they could be used in the future for others to educate and inform students about these beautiful works. Even in cases where my defense to the content ID claims were successful, the videos were not reverted to this free license, making it much more difficult for others to use and share these digitized works in the way I had originally intended. When lawmakers mandate the use of these types of filters for all platforms, regardless of their size or existing effective practices, they miss the nuance of how the Internet operates and the technical flaws in automating content detection which still exist, just as these upload filters miss the nuance of my public domain uploads. Again, this is only going to get worse. Sony refuses to recognize how broken these algorithms are, and the EU just basically mandated them. So I just have to name them both jointly this week's... Idiot Extraordinary! Well, that wraps up this Sing Along the Next Time It Comes Around on the Guitar edition of Bogosity Podcast. Come join the discussion at forum.bogosity.tv or discord.bogosity.tv and feel free to send a question, statement, news article, or rant in text or audio to podcast at bogosity.tv. This podcast depends on you to keep going, so please donate to Shane DK on PayPal, or if you want to use crypto, you can donate at altcoins.bogosity.tv. You can also support Shane DK on Patreon to get the podcast and my YouTube videos early and ad-free. Thank you for listening. Until next time, here's a quote from Lawrence Lessig. Now you look at this and you say, this is insane. It's insane. And if it is only Hollywood that has to deal with this, okay, that's fine. Let them be insane. 
The problem is their insane rules are now being applied to the whole world. This insanity of control is expanding as everything you do touches copyrights. The Bogosity Podcast is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution, not commercial, under derivatives 4.0 international license. Bogosity. <laughs>